touchdown Elks. Trade forward into the end zone. Edmonton's home for great stories, local heroes, and everything you need on the Oilers and Elks. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates. Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. Two games in the NHL. Back at it after the All-Star break. Islanders lead the Maple Leafs 2-1. Almost five and a half minutes into the third period. Seven minutes into the third period, we have the Avalanche up 1-0 on the New York Rangers. Nathan McKinnon with the only goal there, his 32nd of the season. Oilers in Vegas tomorrow, so the Oilers practiced yesterday at 5. They practiced again today at 11. Evander Kane did not skate yesterday, returned to the ice today after uh, dealing with a bit of an illness yesterday. So Oilers in Vegas, 6.30 face-off show, game at 8 on 6.30 chat as the Oilers try to make history, tying a league record. It would be their 17th consecutive victory uh, if indeed they get it done. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins still with you. Just filled in for Oilers now with uh, Bob Stoffer. You can get in touch. 780-496-0063. That is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. You can also email the show inside sports at 630ched.com. Kellen Kennedy down the hallway. Kellen, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, doing good. Good. Are you still trying to get a guest? Yeah. Or do you have time to chat? Okay, I'll let you, I'll uh, I'll let you try to get a guest. So the Oilers here with a oh we got him now. We do. Oh, we got him. Okay, perfect. Jamie Thomas is uh, joining us who uh, covers the Winnipeg Jets. What is what do they call that thing? Ground control? What are you doing? <laughs> it's a podcast. It's a, yeah, it's, I know what a podcast is. It called ground control takeoff jet away with Jamie. What's it called? <laughs> It's called ground control. Oh, and we have this other. Yeah, we have a million different things. There's like runway. Like there's just all this jet stuff, airplane, <laughs> mumbo jumbo that they've been putting together in corporate. So you know, we just as you know, the corporate wheel, buddy. Uh, is this the first year you're doing that? Uh, we've we've done it the last three years, but this is just the, the first year that I've actually been focused on it uh, alone since I stepped away from the uh, radio booth. So, um, but uh, a, and this one, it's the first year we've been doing the video version. Before it's just audio, so they've added some more fun to it this year with the old video uh, option as well. So more of me, which is awful if you really think about it. Well, not really. You're you're a pretty <laughs> telegenic guy and a long career in TV, so that's good. I'm glad you're doing that. Hey, uh, I'm going to dive in. Jets made big news uh, as they get Sean Monahan. Uh, I, I mean, tell me about this this deal. How he's uh, how he's going to fit in there? Well, what they, the Jets have been looking for is they need a second center, a second line center, and it, it's it gets a little complicated because a lot of people think, okay, you need a lead player to play your number two center. But to be honest, Reed, like the whole thing with the Jets is they you know, the the Shifley line is number one, right? Flat out, it that's what it is. But Adam Lowry's line, the best, you know, arguably the best third line in hockey, is kind of the one that's been taken, you know, not second line minutes because their number one job is to shut down the other team's top line so they've been taking up a lot of time so they've just been finding trying to find that mix for the just to go between Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers and that's where Sean Monahan steps in the Jets have actually kind of also been struggling in the face-off circle too right Adam Lowry's been the one guy they can rely on but they need somebody else to do that and Sean Monahan the last couple of years has been 55% in the face-off circle and there's that kind of answers your prayers right there 
Um, and, you know, one of their problems with the power play, which just hasn't been their, their strength this year, is they're losing the draw. And as you know, it goes down the ice and you're losing 20 to 30 seconds uh, off, your, off your power play when you don't have possession rate off the top. So Monaghan hopefully will fill in that role because he's on the number one power play unit with Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, um, Josh Morrissey, and Gabriel Velarde. So um, he kind of fills in some blanks that they've been missing here for quite some time. And he comes at a perfect time because Mark Shifley's healthy now. Now and uh, for the first time, I think since the fourth game of the regular season, the Jets have have everybody on deck, right on on top of Sean Monahan. So uh, to answer your question in a long-winded way, I mean, he fills a lot of lot of lot of spaces on the Jets uh, roster um, in terms of what they've been looking for before the deal had been made. Was there? Uh, and look, Canadian fan base excitement. Mm-hmm. I think maybe in the Jets' case. And you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Perhaps even exceeding expectations for the season, like because here, you know, with with oil country, it's like, are you, are you going to get Monahan, Lindholm, Tanev, Gensel, yeah, yeah. uh, Mark Andre Fleury? Who are you going to get? Was the yeah. fan base clamoring for a guy, or you know, was uh, how's this trade received there? Uh, I, I think people, you know, the fan base was patient because the Jets had found themselves on top of the, you know, the, the National Hockey League standings and then certainly on top of the standings in the Central Division until their little slide before the break. But what it, because Shifley, Mark Shifley got hurt, we agreed. He had a lower body injury, missed six games before the All-Star break. And you kind of saw if he goes down, how much trouble they would be in. So you kind of need depth, as we all know. You always need a seventh or eighth defenseman. You need another sentiment. Uh, not saying that you could ever in a million years replace Mark Shifley, but if he goes down again, at least you have something else to fill in. And this is and I'm not taking away anything from Vladislav Domestikov, who did a great job filling in wherever the Jets needed, in particular in the second line center in Mark Shifley's absence. But it's, you know, you kind of needed that. But it wasn't like there was that panic. And I remember when I came on your show before, both the Jets and Oilers, when they faced each other the first time, there was kind of a disaster going on uh, early on in the season. And then I know the Oilers were swing, swing went a little bit longer. The Jets kind of pulled out of that. But so now you have that mini swoon before the All-Star break. You go 0-2-1, and, and everybody's like, oh, here's the shades of last year. They're going to go down the, the schneid here after, during, after the All-Star break. And I just don't feel that's the case. But that being said, the excitement here is beyond belief with the acquisition of Sean Monaghan. And, you know, I've seen people grumbling, you're paying too much for – a guy that's not elite anymore, but that's not what the Jets are going to be asking Sean Monaghan to be, is, is elite. He's obviously rebuilt himself after a long stretch of injury issues You know that carried from him from Calgary to Montreal, but he, he had a rebirth year this year with the Canadians, a well-liked guy in the dressing room. But one of the intangibles that, that Kevin Chevaldeo talked about was how he – you know, communicate with the younger players, and that—that's what the Jets want. They want that for Cole Perfetti. They, you know, the, a guy that can talk to him on the on the bench when the play is going on. When, you know, because he's not going to play with Mark Shifley right now, and that's one of his his best friends on the team. But to have a guy like Sean Monahan, who's only 29, to be there to to add to the younger players in the roster, I think is a, another intangible that we really haven't. You know, you you can't really put on paper, obviously, and there's not a metric for it at all. But there's a lot more to Sean Monahan that the Jets are hoping for. That the that, that the reason why they gave up what they gave up. Going to ask you maybe uh, I don't know a silly question, but I, I want to yeah, get like your perspective. Silly questions. Well, I get your perspective on it because, like I said, I, I think there were 
some question marks about the Jets this season coming in after how it ended mm-hmm. last year. A couple players yeah. they lost. I, I know they yep. took care of a couple contracts before the season, but that still kind of lingered over the summer. When mm-hmm. did you start to think like, okay, like, no, they're good. Like, they got a 691 points percentage. Like, at what point did this year did you start to think, no, no, like, this this is sustainable. This isn't just going to be a good 12 games and then they're mediocre. Because last year, let's go back to last year. Like, they, I think there was kind of that surprise. They got off that great start, and you're like, okay, Rick Bonus has got a good effect going on here. You got the defense activating a lot more than they had in years past, but there wasn't the defensive structure in place that 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 he had, and that's why you know they struggled last year and certainly through the playoffs, and they had to fight tooth and nail to get in. It's just they couldn't play the defensive zone game that Rick Bonus wanted them to play. Well, everybody bought in this year. And you have that stretch of 34 games where they gave up three goals or less, and there was 14 straight games with two goals or less, and you're only giving up. You know, he said coming this year they're going to give up less opportunities, and Connor Hellebuck has been good, great sometimes, but he's not being the guy that they've counted on years past because they are not giving up the chances that they have in years past. So, I, I think about halfway through that streak of 34 games, of three goals or less, you're like, okay, this team's pretty good because they're staying consistent even when they're trailing in games. Read. They weren't looking for offense. They were staying in structure and being patient and not giving, you know, not giving up defensively to get more goals or try to get back in the hockey games. So I think about halfway through the 17 and the 34 game streak of, of three goals or less, I started to go, okay, this, this, this is this is sustainable. And now the question is, can you, you know, keep that commitment going? And it's you know it's hard playing defense. Will they do that all year? That what that remains to be seen. But I just think. They've seen long enough when they play this way that they can be successful, not looking for offense the way they had in years past. And I think now they, they have a great idea of how that goes, and you hope to start another streak as they as they go into the unofficial second half here after the All-Star break. Okay. What do you make of uh, these Western teams, Winnipeg, mm. Vancouver, and Edmonton? Just Now, Canucks fans will say, uh, excuse yeah. me, Reed. We've been hot all season long, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but but you know, for the Oilers, it's a 16-game winning streak going back 27 games. And again, yeah. not that the Jets were bad early, but if you sort things, if you sort the standings by the last 16 games, Winnipeg's right. up there as well. What, what do you what do you make of these three Western teams that are all doing great? Buddy, I, I think it's exciting, right? It was. I, I know the Oilers had a great year last year, and I just Vancouver just needed that. That, that different voice they were a good team just weren't getting great goaltending and now I just think yeah, they're, they're, they are, these are three deep hockey teams that are built to do something special in, in April and May but the unfortunate part is not everybody can do uh, what they want to do because of the depth in the Western Conference I think the top half of the West you know, clearly Colorado and Dallas and, you know, Vegas, Edmonton, Vancouver, Winnipeg, like there's, there's some big horses here going into the playoffs. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what else teams are going to do. I don't know. Like to me, the jets, the only other thing I think they can look for now is some depth on the blue line. Um, But that's the only move you're really going to make because you just don't want to upset the chemistry in the dressing room. And it has to be the same for the Oilers because clearly you win 16 straight, clearly everybody's pulling in the same direction. And the same thing with the Canucks. So what else can you really do? You've added Elias Lind- Elias Lindholm, 
what else do you really need? I know Chris Tanev's name's popped out there as well, but I don't, I don't know if Vancouver can afford to pay whatever that price tag is going to be right now. And um, I'm certainly Winnipeg can't be just throwing win- first round picks around all the time, rather uh, as well. So it's going to be very interesting. But man, like it, it, the top half, top six teams in the West, pre, it's going to be very interesting. And if Los Angeles gets their act back together. Uh, man, it's it's going to be a war in April and May. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah that uh, that LA story is kind of crazy. Yeah, kind of with bizarre, the of the Oilers. Bizarre. Yeah, and yeah. Edmonton. And uh, you know, who knows what I'm going to be saying in a couple months? But right now, kind of a, a signature bit of a turning point win for the Oilers was yeah. November 30th in Winnipeg. Like, at the end of the game, their record was only 9-12 and 1, which still wasn't very good, but it was mm-hmm. it was the fourth straight win of what turned into an eight-game winning streak. And that was the mm-hmm. one like Winnipeg had the lead almost the entire game, but the Oilers were played pretty well. Like they outplayed yeah. the Jets most of the, and then they got rewarded. And to me that who knows if the Oilers lose that game one nothing or two nothing with an empty net and they're like, Well, you know, we tried hard, but Hellebuck is good and says like, No, we we stayed patient, stuck with it, and we actually mm-hmm. won. Like that to me that was a, a pretty big win for Edmonton. Yeah, it, it was. And I, I, I think it both what both teams have seen right now is if you worry about defense first, the offense will come later because you have more than enough firepower on both sides to uh, score when when needed. Um, so I mean, it, it's interesting how one game can change the whole narrative of the season, and it is completely fascinating what's going on in Edmonton right now. And you know, looked upon as by many as a, a cup favorite, it was just shocking even from here to see what was happening in Edmonton. I, I, I couldn't believe it each day, especially that loss in San Jose. I'm like, what is going on? Um, and you're just trying to figure it out. So, but I, you know, clearly you're not predicting 16, 17 games in a row of, right. of victories for the Oilers to get themselves out of it. But it just goes to show you how deep of a hole they dug themselves into to be where they are and as far back as they are. But uh, man, there's no question they were going to turn around, but this is, this is as good as it gets. I mean, the jet streak where it was, and then, of course, what Edmonton is doing right now, and Vancouver's continued, you know, continue being consistent throughout the years. It, it just speaks to how good all three of these teams are, and um, if we can hopefully help to overshadow the team out in the East. <laughs> it's, it's just after back-to-back games against that fan base, buddy. It was I've had enough. So. Oh yeah, um, you guys said back-to-back, see? Yeah, it was the first. Uh, listen, you go to Toronto and uh, no, no Shifley and no Velarde. It's just you're wondering when you, they dominate that game and lose one nothing in overtime. And then here, I, I don't know what it was like when the Leafs were in, in Edmonton, but it felt like three quarters of the building were Leafs fans. It was as no, annoying as it gets. Um, and to lose four uh, two, I don't know. I. I Listen, I don't get emotionally involved in a lot of games because we've been we've, we've been around for so long. And yes, when you call games the way I did for three years, you, there's some emotion, some pride in there as well. But man, you just I was I was nervous that whole game in, in, against the Leafs because it's just so annoying to have that many Leaf fans in, in the in the Jets building. So um, I'm glad that that that, that home at home is over with, and now you don't have to worry about them for the rest of the year. Fair enough. Okay, Jamie, thanks for being so generous with your time. Always love having you on the show, and uh, yeah, it is uh, an interesting uh, time here with uh, Edmonton, uh, Vancouver, and uh, the Jets all doing really well. Hope to have you on the show again soon. Thanks, buddy. Always appreciate coming on. Thank you. That is Jamie Thomas. We've had him on in several carnations over the years, uh, now with the Ground Control podcast 
on uh, the for the Winnipeg Jets. I like Jet away with Jamie, but I guess he's not the only one on the show. Uh, speaking of that team from Toronto, they are still trailing the Islanders 2-1 with six and a half minutes left in the third period. It's Inside Sports on 630 Jet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Queens of the Stone Age, Kellen? It is. Aren't they coming to Edmonton soon? I believe so. It's the coolest joke to play. Good band. Great band. I'm so uh, April 2nd. Ah, there we go. We will Rogers not be place. going. At Rogers Place. At Rogers Place, yes. All right. Exciting. 780-496. It actually is exciting. That sounded sarcastic. That actually is cool. They're good. Is it? Uh, oh, they're with the Struts. They got some fun songs. That'd be a fun show, yes. Uh, Def Leppard likes the Struts. They see them as like a younger band that they like. Interesting. Random fact of the day. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm sure everybody's going to put that in their diary. Uh-huh. 7804960063. What do we have? Glenn uh RE or RE Jack Campbell says 5 million on the farm. Yes, he must be traded. Fair enough. Mhm. Uh coach Al Texan says uh is the Campbell salary still on the Oilers' books? If so, trade him. Uh, most you, of it. And most, use not, that, not quite all of it, but most of it. Uh, if so, trade him and use that five mil on players this, uh, this year to win the Cup. Okay. Mm. Uh, I'll pass this along to you from Cletus, but he got his official Can't Ham t-shirt and uh, sent us a selfie of him wearing it. Oh, so my there goodness. We go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, exactly. And, uh, ah, text in, or A-H, texted in and said, uh, he's got a whole bunch of answers to what you were asking on, on on Oilers now, but the skills competition was the only thing worth watching. Skills comp was excellent and s- so much better nonsense than we've seen in the last uh, uh, last while. So, there we go. Uh, the other two, I'll get to you uh, a little bit later on in the show because they're a little bit more wordy. So, A little bit more wordy. Okay, that's cool. 780-496-0063. If you want to get in touch tonight, we will uh, get to Tony Jones from your Edmonton Elks. He has a new one-year contract. Linebacker with the team as we're inching towards CFL free agency. Looks like uh, Dave was talking about this early kicker, Boris Beatty. Sounds like he's going to sign with the Elks. Big leg. He can kick it a long way is usually quite accurate sometimes when he I feel like when BD misses it's it's really wide it's not close but he's a pretty accurate kicker who can kick it a long way Dean Faithful was a great story last year the uh, the Queens wave game and the Labor Day rematch was a lot of fun um, but I think there are better kickers out there for sure and BD would be one of them anyway Tony Jones coming up